Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Hello, I'm Giles Vickers-Jones and welcome to Bull by the Horns sponsored by Shy Aviation. Each week, I'll be sitting down with a hugely successful individual who has taken massive risks to reap incredible rewards. I'll be asking them how success has affected their careers and what inspires them to keep on taking risks. If you like what you hear, then please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's 100% free, and of course, you never miss an episode. This week, I caught up with the Tour de France winner and leader of super strong Ineos Grenadiers, the one, the only, Geron Thomas, OBE. He was out on the road when we chatted over Zoom. As a result, his connection was a tad unstable at times, so please bear with us. However, it was a fantastic chat and a great insight into how he's become a huge success. Without further ado, here's Geraint Thomas, OBE. I met you probably about three years ago, and I remember we were down in Monaco. I don't know if you remember, you were with your wife. We were there at the boat show. Yeah, I and, remember, um, yeah. A lot of people don't realise this, but whilst people live in Monaco, for other reasons, sports people live there as well because of the training, right? Because you've got the hills straight yeah. outside of Monaco. So you've got all the luxury and you've got all the kind of wealth. But then you've got Geron, who's just pumping the hills daily. And I remember, I still tell this story. <laughs> we had a few drinks up on this roof. Uh, God, I think it was the Fairmont Hotel. For those that don't know, it overlooks Monaco. It's beautiful. You can imagine every drink is well over 50 euros. And um, the next yeah, morning I woke up. Paying. Yeah, luckily paying I was there. paying. <laughs> I woke up the next day and you'd already done like, I think you'd done a five or six hour bike ride and that was your day off. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a strange life. It's one that I've obviously got used to being 15 years professional now. But yeah, it's, it's certainly, when you come from the outside, it's definitely um, hard to get your head around at times, really. Um, and yeah, there's everything from a lot of time away from home and friends and family. And then just your lifestyle in general, even when I'm at home, you know, I'm not exactly uh, going out for, for dinners and stuff every other night or anything like that. Especially, you know, everyone's sort of perception of Monaco is, you know, you know, ballers and old men with young looking girlfriends or whatever they might be to them. But uh, <laughs> it's completely different for us. You know, for me, I moved there wanting to become the best professional cyclist I could. And, and that was one of the best places in the world to be with the terrain, the hills, the team has a base there. Um, so there's always a, a following car behind us for sort of training rides. You know, you've got nutrition, mechanics, all that support, um, which I definitely wouldn't be able to do if I was in Wales, to be honest. Um, I certainly wouldn't have won the tour if I'd uh, lived in Wales my whole life. So going, so for those that don't know, who doesn't know, you won tour in 2018. You've done it. I, I was reading a bit more about your bio and where you bumped, you know, did a bit of research. When you won the Olympic golds in 28, you'd already done the Tour de France. You'd taken part in the tour before then. Is that correct? Yeah. So I did my first tour when I turned professional in 2007. And then, yeah, then Beijing 2008, I won gold in Team Pursuit on the track. So you went from being, because they're very different disciplines, right? Track and being outside, obviously, racing. I and mean, certainly Tour de France is, would you say it's probably the hardest sporting occasion there is for any individual? Well, obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased and say yeah. yes. But um, Yeah, I've, I think most people agree with you, to be fair. I mean, it's, 
I mean, what other sport do you have to put in that amount of graft day in, day out for, is it almost three weeks, right? Yeah, so it's 21 stages over, well, 23 days. We get two rest days, which is nice of them uh, yeah. in there. Um, and yeah, like, for instance, the tour roughly is around sort of 87 to 90 hours in total um, in the three weeks, in the 21 days. So uh, there's a lot of volume, but then there's also the intensity in there as well. So, yeah, certainly. And, and you're going uphill, like some days, for instance, in the mountains, you can be going uphill, climbing for over two hours. Um, so there's a massive difference between that and competing in the team pursuit, which I did in my early years, uh, which was over sort of, well, four kilometers. And by the end, the fastest I went was three minutes, 53 seconds. So quite a big difference from that to... 90 hours yeah christ mate so tell me something right so you've had the success 2018 so you would have been 31 am i right would that be yeah, right uh, 32 i just turned 32 it's 32 so i guess most cyclists get into their peak at the late 20s right is that about right you say yeah in general it yeah. used to be sort of yeah late 20s early 30s these days it's a bit younger but um is it really I think it's all just, it's all down to the person, really. Like, the way my sort of career is mapped out, I'm hitting my best years, you know, in my in my 30s, easily. Um, whereas, you know, last year, a 21-year-old won the Tour de France. Um, before that, right. I was a 22-year-old. So Yeah, yeah, right. So they are getting younger. But I guess part of that might be, Garant, because you've paved the way in other guys and girls, well, guys certainly in the Tour de France, with how to be disciplined, right? So how to eat, how to train. And how to be motivated. I mean, you were cycling at a really young age. You had this goal. I mean, what the, one of the things about this podcast, it's all about the risks that t- people take to get to the reward. So when you were starting out, I mean, it can't have been easy to, A, pay for your rent or in some cases mortgages, pay for your living. You know, that was that's a big risk, right? You, 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 you're not growing in another career. You're growing in cycling without the knowledge that you're going to succeed. Was it ever concerning? And how do you keep yourself so focused that you're going to get there? Um, I was fortunate, really, that without sounds a big headed now, I've always been no. kind of good at cycling. Um, I've always <laughs> sort of earned enough to, to, you know, be comfortable. I think uh, the, the risk for me, though, was kind of stepping away from like my comfort So, you know, I'd had a lot of success. So, and I wanted to move up to the road, fully concentrate on that and see how far I could take that. And, uh, you know, it started with one day racing and then shorter stage races and then obviously onto the tour. So the risky thing, I guess, was the fact that, you know, I was just trying to take it up another level every time and, and leave that comfort zone and put myself out there, you know, like especially in Wales, you know, people sort of knew me as being this double Olympic medalist. And, you know, you know what it's like as soon as you start having a couple of bad years, suddenly you're written off, you know, like in football, it's a couple of bad months, isn't it? Um mm. It's a similar sort of thing as an athlete, really. And but yeah, I, I just had confidence in my ability and also just didn't let that sort of stuff get to me anyway. You know, I, I don't really I try to avoid all the you know the media sort of hype or whatever that's around the sport. But we um, just take out the noise, right? The negativity, just avoid it. Yeah, it's like you know, at the moment, obviously there's a lot of negativity on social media. Yeah. Um and it's just something which, 
you know, right off the sky, we got a lot of hatred um, by the French because we were so dominant and they saw us as sort of, yeah, yeah, dominating their race and making it boring. And we got a lot yeah. of hate there. And since then, I've sort of learned to deal with it. And it's, yeah, you, you just learn to sort of switch off from it. You don't go reading sort of like what everyone tweets you and all this and that. And you stay in your own world, you have your own goals. And uh, yeah, you just motivate yourself. And, and that's it, really. You try and keep it as simple as that. Yeah, social media seems like a necessary evil, doesn't it, in some ways? Like, friends of mine are really famous. They use it because, you know, certainly during the last 20 months or 15 months, sorry, when they've not been working as actors, they've been using it to plug, I don't know, advertised products, right? So it gives yeah. them an additional income. But for those who don't need it, I mean, if you didn't need to, you know, promote your cycling, your brand, would you be on it, for example? Like, I can't see, I certainly no. wouldn't be. No, definitely wouldn't be, no. Evil, like you know i have a few sponsors and stuff but then it's also you know for the fans as well just keeping them up to date with you know little bits and bobs or whatever um yeah but so, yeah if i wasn't a professional like this 100 i wouldn't be on it no i'm with you friend so one of the things we talked about with the various guests that we've had is what their day is like and how they keep themselves motivated and you more than anything i mean the other day i went for a bike ride and it was raining and it was a bit cold and i thought oh, right so i can't be asked and i went inside on the assault bike you don't have that luxury, so you have to be constantly motivated. Have you got any kind of daily mantras or any things? I don't mean mantras like chanting, but have you got a way you kind of turn your head on, turn your motivation on, get yourself psyched up? Do you have something you do every day to get yourself out of bed? Um, well, the main thing is, is Steve Peters, who was a psychologist, used to be for um, British Cycling. He now does a bit with our team still. And basically what he said was motivation just doesn't come into it. It's all about commitment. So if you have a goal that you're committed to and, you know, there's days, of course, there's days where it's raining. I don't want to go out and I'm not motivated for it. But as long as I'm committed to that goal and committed to the plan, I'll go out and do it. And that's what it's about. So, uh, so do you make a daily yeah. plan? Are you making a daily plan? Are you thinking, right, the goal is to win this particular race on that day or race, you know, over the Tour de France, for example, whatever it might be? Or do you look at goals like break it down to, I want to do a certain amount of energy burnt on the machine today or a certain amount of mileage done? Yeah, well, you start off with your main goal. So for me, for instance, is, is trying to win the Tour de France for a second time this year. And then that's what I'm committed to. And then from there, you have other sub goals, which are sort of targets along the way. And then mm. you break that down further again. And every day that I get on my bike, I know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And um, that's the main thing that that is is the reasoning behind it. I think yeah. if it was someone just telling me do this, this, and this, whereas with my coach, it's more of a discussion. What I think I need, what he thinks. You know, we come to a plan, and I'm fully committed to that plan. Then, and so on a day where I might not feel like it, I know. Well, I don't feel like it, but I need to do this today because, well, it's there for a reason. You know, this is I'm doing it for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. You go out, you get it done, and the satisfaction. They're the days where they're the days when they make the difference, you know. Everyone can yeah. push themselves and try hard when they're feeling good or motivated and, and, and happy. It's the days when you're tired and you can't be bothered. Um, but you still get out there and do it. That's where well, that makes a difference. What's the hardest part of this? I mean, you mentioned earlier we talked, we spoke on WhatsApp earlier, you mentioned being away from your family. It says something like you've seen them four days in 11 weeks. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that obviously that goes without saying. That's hard, right? 
when I last saw you, you told me you, you, you were kind of pinching some you know, invisible belly fat that you thought you had. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm assuming diet's pretty tough. But have you got any single thing that's been the hardest part of your job? Is there anything you, you struggle with, you know, because people are listening to this and they, they all have their own struggles. And it's really interesting to see how you overcome them. A hundred percent is uh, the diet and nutrition for me. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not a, a chubby guy naturally, but to be grand tour weight for myself, is definitely lower than what my body naturally wants to be. So, you know, you to get down to that weight. So it's like 68 kilos basically. But I think yeah. my body really foot, wants to be around 72. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that is in stone. Uh, I'd say 68 is probably sub 11, right? It's uh, got to be. That's by far the hardest bit. Um, I'll take your word for it. I've no idea. But uh, <laughs> it's basically my left like... leg. <laughs> it's not. That, that's by far the hardest bit for me. Um, so, do you, but so when you. Sorry, carry on. So I was just going to say it's just one of those things that's taken trial and error over the years, though. It's, it, it basically. The tour that I won was the first year that I really nailed it and like was able to get to that weight well and then hold it consistently for the three weeks. And then as soon as the tour's done, it just piles back on me straight away because I switch off and don't you get off that regime and diet and then you have a few burgers and beers and whatever and suddenly boom, I'm back 70 plus. But but the crazy thing is then, right? so. having having that reduction in weight, you've got a reduction in drag, you got Essentially, the energy or the oxygen you're producing to your body has got less, you know, blood cells to fill up, right? So it can be more efficient. Um, yeah, and, and it's basically like I said before in the tour, you could be going uphill for two hours a day. So it's all about power to weight. So, um, yeah, obviously, there's a balance. You don't want to be too light that you've got no power, but it's right. Like, like I said, the trial and error 68 is, is pretty ideal for me. And that's what, um, yeah. So one, one I mean, Evan's an enthusiast of cycling now. I mean, you must have noticed it around the world. Certainly in the UK, I've seen, you know, it must be like increasing 100% year on year. It's crazy. You know, and for the right reasons, everyone's cycling. Have you got a measure of, so if you use an assault bike, for example, you can measure your watts, right? Or your kilojoules, whatever you're expending. Do you have like a yeah. race, when you're racing, I mean, of course, you've got hills and flats, but do you, what's your average kind of, what would it be? It would be watts, wouldn't it, right? Is that correct? Yeah, watts. What was your average yeah, kind right, of yeah. racing, racing speed being? So we've got um, power cranks, basically, which give us... Uh, it's tough to say over the day because it depends like on, on how the race has gone. Some races you can be racing full on for four hours and it can be 300 plus or some days it can be slow for two and a half hours and then ballistic in the last half an hour but I think a good measure is sort of like a 20 minute power and for that for me is around sort of four three five for 20 minutes right um, right 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 yeah it's pretty decent. mega yeah what about what about when you're finishing if you're sprinting to a finish what are you going at then uh my peak power is not so much it's more sort of around 1200 to be honest 1200 watts like, <laughs> that's still exceptional i mean it's not very powerful I mean, that's like a tank going no, downhill like you know some of the rugby boys for instance like george north he'd pump out 2000 probably on a watt bike but then right in the real world it's completely different because he's obviously punching a bigger hole through the air how efficient right. he is on the bike etc whereas 
you know, on a stationary watt bike, that's more, it's like weight training, you know, it's basically no other sort of things coming into it. It's just purely the power in your legs. So you can be a hundred kilo guy, you know, you can pull out a lot, but in the real world, it's slightly more variables. Yeah. I hear you. That's my excuse anyway. Yes. Yeah, excuse. Um, just going to have a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you about perhaps a regret or something, an opportunity that went awry that you didn't take. A little think. Um, you were listening to Ball by the Horns of Jasper Jones, was sponsored by Shy Aviation. The guest there is Garon Thomas. See you in a bit. The Garon Thomas Cycling Club sees Garon and Tom do a deep dive on a different topic with a new guest each week, revealing what really goes on in the pro peloton, as well as giving priceless practical tips for amateur riders. And it doesn't stop at the podcast. Thanks to their sponsor, Zwift, the online cycling app where fun is fast. G and Tom will be leading regular group rides with club members who will be able to join from anywhere in the world and in the comfort of their home. Find out more by searching for the Geron Thomas Cycling Club. Go get them! Shy Aviation and Lifestyle is the global leader in private aviation. Offering an unparalleled round-the-clock service, Shy Aviation focuses on every detail of your flight and are dedicated in making private jet travel as effortless as possible. With no hidden fees or membership costs, our pricing is straightforward and transparent. You only pay for what you use and when you use it. With global airport access, your travel destinations are endless, plus with our front door-to-jet door service, you'll experience true contactless travel, meaning you'll be at your safest with us. We'll even include a complimentary luxury lifestyle concierge for all clients. We're here to help you unlock the world safely, discreetly and privately, and to always give you the ultimate luxury experience. Request a quote and start your journey with us today at shyaviation.com. Welcome to Bull by the Horns with Giles Vickers-Jones. Welcome back to Bull by the Horns. Our guest today is Mr. Garon Thomas. Um, Garon, we're just talking before the break about um, perhaps a regret or an opportunity that might have gone awry. I don't know if there was any of those things in your life. Have you got anything in the past which you kind of wish you'd taken that, that moment to, to do or you think you could have done and didn't happen? You got anything like that which kind of still motivates you or keeps you up at night to this day? I think uh, it doesn't keep me up at night to this day, but um, certainly something that does bug me every now and again is the Olympics in Rio. Um, I was riding the road race. <clears throat> Obviously, the previous two Olympics, I was on the track in the team pursuit where we won a gold medal. Uh-huh. And then in Rio, I was in the road race. And yeah, I was going really well. I was... Um, there was one guy in front of us about 10 seconds up the road and then there was myself and another guy and we we had done the final climb we are just about to finish the descent and then on the final corner I crashed and um, there was about 10k to go and we were definitely would have caught that guy in front and I felt like a medal if not the win was was certainly up for grabs and uh, yeah I crashed on that corner and ended up uh I think 10th, um, you know, quite a few guys came past then and, you know, obviously it crashed and it was sort of over. So it just ended up rolling to the finish. And that is the one thing which bugs me. 
slightly. But um, yeah, hopefully I can put that right this year in Tokyo. All being well. Yeah, you going there? Yeah, hopefully. The plan is to do the tour and then literally on the Monday after the tour, we fly to Tokyo and then race the road race on the Saturday and then the time trial the Tuesday after that. So it's this quick turnaround. It'll be tough with the, the jet lag plus the actual fatigue Jeez, of riding three weeks of the tour. But, but then saying that, be in the same boat. saying that, Garen, assuming you're going to win the tour, right? Um, <laughs> your fitness is going to be pretty stunning. Can you take that, that kind of fitness you've created during the tour to the same you know, discipline for the Olympics? Does it kind of transfer the race you'll be doing there versus the tour? Yeah, I think so. The, the, the race there is similar to a hard day in the tour. Right. Um, so it means I should be competitive. It's just how I recover after the tour. But in previous years, I've, I've recovered pretty well. Um, you know, I went from the tour straight into the Commonwealth Games one year and the time trial was actually on the Thursday. So only three days rest and then the time trial. And I got a bronze medal in that and then I won the road yeah. race on the Sunday. So um, it does help to come out of it pretty good. Um, you just got to be what? disciplined because that's the hardest bit is staying focused really because obviously you would have been on it for the months prior to the tour you know the tour's a big hit over three weeks and then it's easy to sort of like you get to Paris and be like that's done you know and switch off but you need to kind of try and stay on it for another 10 days and then um, then you can enjoy yourself well I guess also there's a different motivation so winning the tour I guess that's like an unbelievable achievement because even those who win Olympic gold in cycling won't win the tour, right? But if you win the tour, you've got that personal, you know, okay, you've done it with your team as well, right? But you've got, you know, your your Garant Thomas on a pedestal. When you win an Olympic gold, you're representing Wales, Great Britain, um, but you've got an Olympic gold, right? So what what do you think is a better thing to have on your mantelpiece? Would it be you know, winning the Tour de France or is it Olympic gold representing your country? Well, Great Britain. Well, what, what's kind of better? I think if I had to choose, I'd take the Tour. Um, Why? I think just because it's... I'm not sure. I think it's just something that would be more of an achievement to myself, I think. Um, yeah. But saying that, I'd take either at this moment. You know, I wouldn't be too picky. Right. But yeah, if I had to choose a team tour. So we could be chatting in four months' time, and you could have got an Olympic gold and one Tour de France. How would that make you feel? Well, that would be phenomenal. I'd certainly sign up for that now. And uh, <laughs> that's the plan. That, that's what I'm sort of training for and trying to do. That's my, you know, what I'm committed to, as I said earlier. And um, yeah, just get there 100% as fit as I can. And um, you know, lean and strong and, and the race will take care of itself then. You know, you go in, you you, you do your best. You, I'm not going to go in and purposely sort of try to fail, you know. So you kind of, the, the hard work's done then. You just got to try and enjoy being in the, you know, the pinnacle of the sport and then being competitive. And, you know, it's something I dreamt of doing when I was a young kid in Cardiff, you know, going around the local lanes, you know, dreaming of being in the tour. So... It's, it's easy to say, it's hard to do. And it's just, uh, you know, just get in there and, and enjoy it. Well, in a way, doing Olympic gold, it's done in one day, right? With a tour, you've got to be focused, as you said, for those 23 days, 21 racing. I mean, that's, um, I mean, apart from everything, anything, people don't, who don't follow cycling should, by the way, but those who don't, 
don't realise just kind of how perilous it can be. And how many of those French twats are on the middle of the road? You must just want to punch them. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I watch it and I get so angry, right? Because I'm like, get out of the way. But they're not necessarily just doing it to British riders. They're doing it to all riders. Now, you kind of, yeah. in one breath, you want to go, this is kind of the charm of it. And the other breath, you're like, well, it's completely different sports when it was 50 years ago, right? So get out of the yes. way. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, there comes a point, you know, like, I really like it. Like, you know, the, the fans on the side of the road going crazy and, you know, parting, you know, like it's like the Red Sea when you're going up, you know, one of the big climbs in the Alps and, you know, the, the crowds are just parting for the peloton and that's great. But yeah, as you say, if they, if there's some like numpty that gets too close or, you know, the guys that ride run alongside you with their flag and it's sort of like close to going into your front wheel and that's when it's, yeah, ridiculous because it's like, can you imagine that in the FA Cup final, you know, like someone's about to take a free kick and you got some numpty just stood next to him shouting in the face, waving a flag, you know, it's just, it wouldn't happen, you know, or, no. you know, like someone in Wimbledon and they got like guys like throwing water at him or, you know, there's been worse um, in tours gone by. But um, yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's unique in that way and it's free and people can go inside the road and that's what makes it special as well. So, you just hope that nobody sort of ruins it for, for everyone. Yeah. I mean, one of the worst things, you touched on it earlier, um, the amount of bad press Team Sky got. Well, envy, wasn't it? It's jealousy from the, from the cycling community. Maybe not for the community, but perhaps from the other teams, which then they leaked to the press. And, you know, there's been some mixed press through the years in cycling. How has it changed now? How has it all cleaned up its game? Not saying it was ever dirty, but, you know, some people have tarnished the sport. What are you guys doing to, to get away from what's happened in the past? Yeah, well, just going back to that point, you know, I think, you know, in France, there's, you know, ex-dopers commentating and they were giving us and Sky a bad name and everyone loves those commentators and hates us, even though they were the ones just giving the sport the bad name, basically, because they were the ones cheating. And, you know, it's one of those things. There's, there's nothing we can do. You know, you, you can say we do it the right way until you're blue in the face and people either going to believe you or not, you know, and I think the main thing is just being, you know, true to yourself and the people around you and doing it the right way and just knowing that. And then, you know, if there's, you know, a hundred people and, and 20 of them are always going to hate you and, and not believe anything you say, and you know, the sooner you accept that, the, the easier it is then. And you're just like, well, I don't really give a shit what you think, mate. I know I'm doing it right. And, yeah, and that's it. And you just crack yeah. on, and uh, you know, that's all we can do, really. That's all you can do, friend. So, what do you think when you see young cyclists and you go to various events? Do you give a, ever give them advice? Do you ever like tell them, look? Because I, I saw a video. I think it might be a Team Sky one they put together when you won the yellow jersey, and it was um, said hard work like pays off. You said hard work always pays off. So. The effort you've put in. Do you ever give advice like that to younger people or those coming through in the sport? Yeah, I think the main thing is just enjoying it. That's what I always tell them. You know, like you you have to enjoy it. It's too hard not to enjoy. You know, and and when you got to go out and ride your bike for four or five hours, you know, when you're younger, and you, you're only, you're only going to do that if you enjoy it. Um, and then from there, yeah, like just have some big ambitious goals and believe in yourself. And if you work hard and do everything the right way, you'll get what you deserve. And you might not, you know, get your goals, but as long as you reach 
you know, 100% of, of what you can achieve, you can be happy with that, really. And uh, that's the main thing that I'd, I'd say to people, yeah. I guess it's saying to enjoy it. Like I go through this with my son, right? So I'm trying to get better at rugby and better at football. And I've done, I've been learning, I've helped coach and I've done some extra drills from YouTube. I'll be finding out. And he definitely enjoys it more when he's more proficient, right? So when he's better, he enjoys it more, my son. And the same my daughter yeah. with netball. So it's getting to that point. Which point do you become good? How many hours do you have to put in to get to that point? I mean, is there a number? Is there a length of time you need to practice to become an expert? Oh, I don't know. I think everyone's different, obviously, but you know, it comes to people quicker than others as well. I think that's the thing with, with young kids as well. You know, I think you can be 12 and you might not be the best, you know, the quickest, the strongest, or whatever, most skillful, but you persevere and, and, and you never know it in two, three years' time you've you've caught up with the your peers, so to speak, and suddenly you're you're the one bossing it. So that's where the enjoyment thing comes in. Obviously, yeah, the better you are, the more you're going to enjoy it because you're kicking ass every day. But yeah, I think it's just, uh, if you, if you, if you grew up and you, and you love a sport watching it and then you participate in yourself, that's, you get a lot of satisfaction and enjoyment from that. And then, um, yeah, it's not taking it too seriously as well. I think uh, that's one thing looking back, like there's so many, parents like when I look back at cycling and just you know they had all this good kit and they're on the side of the road or track like screaming at their kids and it's just like it's crazy really like obviously you've got to push them and, and be encouraging and also sort of like you know well push them to make sure they actually try hard enough as well but you know there's definitely people that are just way too far over that line really yeah they're probably doing it for themselves more than for the kids right at that point yeah, they're the type of people that had trials for Arsenal, you know, but then got injured and, you know, all that oh, type God. of stuff. <laughs> Mate, they're the worst, aren't they? You play a five-a-side league, you're like, Christ, here he comes. <laughs> yeah. All the gear, I no idea. I could have made it. Yeah, I, have, I didn't oh, have that knee injury. Yeah. So what do you think the um, the reality is? Is it genetics, good sportsman? I mean, I mean, you're the ultimate, but is it genetics or is it hard work? Because can anyone get to be a top class cyclist. Yeah, it's definitely a combination. I think anyone could, I think anyone, if they committed enough, could turn professional um, or at least, you know, get pretty close. But I think to reach a top, I've seen so many guys come through who are super talented and everyone like, oh, this guy could have been this, that and the other. But unless you have, you know, they always go on about that top inch, you know, like what's happening in your head. If you, if you're not committed and you're not sort of doing things the right way and you know, that's all part of it as well. It's not just yeah. about talent. You need the extra bit and talent will only get you so far. Um, but yeah, it's just finding what you're good at, what you love, what you enjoy and just really going for it. And once you do commit to it and you give it hundred percent, like I say, you, you can be satisfied with, with how you get and don't let little knockbacks, you know, affect you as well. Like Christ, the amount of crashes and, injuries and broken bones and stuff that I've had and it's just staying positive and I've been lucky enough to have a great team around me like physios and you know massage people and and, and doctors and things who have really looked after me giving me the right advice and you know yeah not rushed things um obviously Joe blogs in the street doesn't necessarily get that but I think you know just yeah staying positive and and you know that make that that can make the world a difference. 
But Joe Bloggs doesn't get that because they haven't put the hours in yet to get to it, right? So nothing comes easily. The whole point of this podcast, really, is to chat with people who have achieved success and understand the journey they've put in to get there. I mean, Christ, I mean, you've put in, I mean, thousands and thousands of hours outside of the races people have seen, right? So it doesn't yeah. come easily. You know, now you're, I won't keep you too much longer because I know you're training and you're very kindly giving us this time, Geraint, but have you ever, you know, now you've, you, you kind of, you won the Olympic gold, you are proper household name in cycling, you've won the Tour de France. In any sport, other sports must give you, you know, the, the respect. Do you find yourself able to speak to other sportsmen now, perhaps even share training tips? And if you've got any, crossing over to other sports, like people who are maybe a mentor or an idol or people you share training tips with, have you got anyone like that? Yeah, it's crazy, really, because, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. I've kind of sort of don't follow them quite as closely anymore. Um, mm. Not because they're going through a bad patch, but more because I've been busy. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and a big rugby fan as well, being Welsh. And yeah. it's funny, like, after the tour, suddenly, the next day, for instance, I was on the phone to Arsene Wenger, who... No, you were. just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I swapped a jersey with Dan Carter. Like for a Kiwi jersey, obviously. Uh, yeah. I met Messi after a Barcelona Champions League game where he scored a hat trick and I, he gave me his jersey, his shirt. Um, Were you a guest you know, of honor at the game then? Yeah, I was in like the presidential suite with, yeah, the president of Barcelona and, you know, drinking carver and eating this ham on. And at a football match, you know, me and the missus, we were just like, what the hell is this? Like, how what did are they, we doing did they, here? Did they, um, what did Messi say in particular? Did he come and speak to you and say congratulations? Had he watched the Tour de France? Did he know who you were? Well, it was. I met him in the underground car park afterwards, so it was like a dodgy deal, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> Just stalking him. <laughs> him and Suarez, actually. And Suarez, you know, was actually a really nice guy. Um, he's had his moments on the pitch, yeah, haven't he? But he was super nice. Um, but yeah, Messi didn't speak too much English, to be fair. So, But, you know, I think it's just that common sort of respect. Um, you know, for other sportsmen. Um, and yeah, I've just been lucky enough to, you know, Wales, when they uh, they were playing Australia and the, I was lucky enough to be in a box again and, and someone was like, oh, after the game, you can go down and meet some of the boys. Some good mates with George North, who, who yeah. obviously is the winger for Wales. Yeah, yeah. Outside centre now. Um, and I was like, before the game, I was like, nah, 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 I don't want to go because... If they win, they haven't beaten Australia for 10 years and they I want them to just enjoy that together, you know. And then if they lose, last thing you don't want to be there, right? See me. Yeah. No, of course. Um, but then you know, we're in a box, so you know, there's free booze, and they end up winning, and I was obviously a bit drunk by then, so I was like, Yeah, I'm going down. Yeah. So I went down and took my father-in-law and brother-in-law. They obviously loved it. And then yeah, and then just it's just that mutual respect then between professional athletes, really. And um, that was the biggest, because I was still a huge fan, you know, I was just a fan yeah, deep yeah. down. And um, so suddenly then I've been respected those guys. And then obviously I respected them massively as well. And so, yeah, that's, I'd say that's probably the biggest perk from winning the tour really um, is being lucky enough and fortunate enough to, to meet some of like my heroes like that. And um yeah, like you say, when it comes to training and stuff and mentality, and I think it does cross over, you know, the way of thinking, the way you deal with pressure, you deal with, as we were saying, like trolls or whatever, or, you know, 
on social media or you know especially in wales like the media like rugby is number one sport and yeah the amount of flack they come into and you know if if george is in you know tesco and then there's old blokes coming up to him telling him how he should play rugby and it's tough you know especially if they're going through a bit of a hard time and so uh it's just sharing those sort of details as well and i think that that can work both ways help help both of us out really yeah of course it can so before we go greatest sportsman of all time or woman oh that's a tough one i'd probably mm. say thierry henry thierry henry has got yeah, I, I probably have you seen that show on Netflix, um, a Michael Jordan. Ah, uh, yeah, he was he was all right, wasn't he? He wasn't shabby. <laughs> You're not shabby either, my friend. Thank you so much. Um, all the best. Going to be following the tour. What Pleasure. date does it start? I don't actually know the date. <laughs> um, right, but it's in about but, two months. It's in June. Um, yeah, it's kind of mid June. Yeah, yeah. So it runs to the but, early July, doesn't it? So. Stop watching Wimbledon, watch the tour. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Geron. All the best, friend. You've been watching or you've been listening to Bull Bell Horns. I'm Jasmine Jones. That was Geron Thomas, was sponsored by Shy Aviation. Au revoir. Mm-hmm.